Hello and welcome back to a very tired baseball night podcast. Tired for two reasons, Jack. Number one, I have a I have a kid, another kid now, and she is currently yep. strapped to my chest. But two, the Red Sox are on the West Coast, and let's I cannot wait for this. Thank God it's May. It's gonna be over with by June. They mm-hmm. just won't be over there again. But oh it's getting yeah. old. Yeah, they do. Well, I mean, you know, for you and I, we're staying up every other day. We're staying up pretty late because somehow the NBA has found out a way to make a 48-minute basketball game last three and a half hours. Mm. Um, so we're staying up late. Um, obviously, you know, you have that new uh, – the prospect finally called up to your organization. Been hearing about this prospect for months, and now mm-hmm. she's here. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to you and the misses. Um, but yeah, back to the Red Sox here. Not only are they in the West Coast, Tom, uh, they left an essential piece of their team back at Fenway. Uh, and I think that's going to be our first topic here. Um, as of recording, uh, they're about to start a three-game series with the Diamondbacks. They just finished a three-game series of the Angels where they got swept. Not a whole lot of offense coming from Boston. Nope, there isn't. Um, it started off great because they had the big Bogarts, Xander, or that's the same guy. A little sleep. Bogarts and Devers reunion, and it looked great, and everyone was having a good time. And Devers hit the two home runs. They put up big numbers, and then from then on, zilch. Nothing. Just not. Yeah. Not, not- good. No, they uh, especially when they went to L.A. and they played Anaheim, they just they didn't do anything um, with <clears throat> with their offense. Uh, like you said, they were hot in San Diego, um, which was nice to see. You thought a couple of guys were going to break out, especially Devers. Um, but you know he he's at two fifty and he's among the league leaders and the AL and, and homers and RBIs, but I, it's just, um, I don't know. I, I seem like he's always swinging hard. He's not kind of taking the same approach. He's not walking a lot. Um, I don't know. It, it, it with Casas not performing on the other side, is there, is there an issue here with the corner of this, the corner infielders not hitting yet? So this was something I wanted to bring up because like you said, 13 home runs, 44 RBI, slugging 513 that is great at the same time his wrc plus is only 109 so that's essentially league average and then this is devers of course he is a 0.9 war player which i mean is about to be a one war player he's that's all well and good batting average is whatever 249 that's low especially for him he The thing that I'm concerned about, you kind of touched on it with the no walks, his on base is 290. So that's low. That's very low. That's just, and you know, I got to give a guy who's hitting only 249. That is a low on base percentage. He is swinging at everything. Yeah, he's got a 4.8 walk rate, 4.8% walk rate, which is not, just not good. I got to shout out. Jen McCaffrey at the beginning of the season in her previews on the athletic, she predicted Devers would actually struggle a little because of the lack of bats around him. He doesn't have Bogarts and JD Martinez 
the offense no. is doing well and Yoshida's been great. Verdugo's been great, but he's the in the fifth hole and it's like, don't give him anything to hit. And then let's take our luck with Duran who slowed down. Kike, who, you know, you and I, you, everyone that listens knows our feelings on him. I, it's just, I understand why he's struggling because I would love to see him in the three hole with a thumper of a right-handed bat behind him. So then you can't give him too much leeway with a lefty pitcher. Well, they certainly don't have that. Um, you know, uh, uh, as uh, as hot as he was at the beginning of the year, um, they were trying to make that Adam Duvall's role, uh, which who knows? Maybe he'll come back from his wrist injury and be just as hot as he was to start the year. Um, but the, ten days. The in other April, part, everyone needs to maybe take a chill pill. It was ten <laughs> days in April. The um, who's the player of the week, Tom? Oh, uh, right. They and as you know, those are always defended each week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the uh, the other thing that's you know, again, we talk about on the podcast all the time about not pushing the Tristan Casa stuff. The last time we talked was two weeks ago, obviously, with the new call up. Um, we you and I haven't done a, a show, uh, and in that two weeks. It's been more of the same, but a frustrating amount of more of the same from Casas, where he's still getting to get a walk every game, which is great. Again, walks aren't sexy and they're not going to stand out. He's also uh, Dave O'Brien brought up a great point, and he said that, you know, you think there's going to be some great power and there's certainly a great approach, but he's lacking everything leading up to the great power. Like he's not hitting singles. He's not he's not hitting doubles. Well, he's not hitting at all, but I mean, even when he does, these are he's he, he doesn't look as complete with the bat as maybe his approach is right now, which is worrisome because that's needed protection for Devers to do his thing. Yeah. So what's interesting is Casas just is such a a pickle to understand because also in the broadcast they mentioned that Cora, the coaching staff said. Stop trying to work the count to walks. You're missing pitches that you can smoke. Be more aggressive. They were like, you have to be more aggressive. So then you look at his numbers and I pulled them up. He's 181, but he has a 312 on base percentage. But his Mm -hmm. slugging is 354. Is Weighted runs created, 84. That's 16% below below league average. He's a negative war player right now. You you flip over to another, like, um, stat-casty outlook on him. He's 73rd in the 73rd percentile on exit velocity. His hard hit rate is above the 50% threshold. He's 84 in barrel rate in the top 84% and then 96 in walks. So like it's all the 181 is just like, why is it so low? But I think he's whiffing because he's getting himself behind in counts trying to have this great approach, which I kind of agree with the 
the coaching staff. Just let it fly. Yeah, You're barreling well, they, it. They must be getting pressure too because, like, they need production from him. And I hate that he's now platooned against lefties and Justin Turner just plays first against the lefty now. I don't think that's, again, if you're trying to make it that, like, Rob Refsnyder bats against every lefty, which, again, I, I get why you want him in there. He's a 330 hitter against lefties this year, and he's crushing them. But you can't do it at the expense of, like, I don't know. Why, I don't. I don't think Justin Turner gives you anything defensively at first base. No, and it sucks because you're almost like jockeying with the uh, young guy's confidence. And then again, it's just to get Ref Snyder and left move to, uh, Yoshida to DH and get and not, I don't know. You you can take another guy out of that lineup, I think. But I think it's the same thing with Verdugo at the beginning of the year. Verdugo he took Verdugo out or moved him down in the lineup, and Verdugo was pissed. He was like, "No, I should be the leadoff hat batter against all." handedness it shouldn't matter and i think you know well acostas has to do something first but he has to be in there against lefties he's not just going to learn facing righties i i hate yeah. that approach. i hate the righty lefty thing yeah i agree just let the let the boy play but also someone's really got to get to him and say dude swing just swing give us yeah if so, it's so it's i mean this Baseball Savant page is crazy because his whiff percentage is actually low. He's only in the 21st percentile, but his chase rate is 78th percentile. So he he's missing things in the zone, but he's not chasing stuff out of the zone. So it's all there. It just hasn't clicked, which. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so, you know, because, again, it's still so early. I'm not going to pull that plug. And, again, I think find him the most playing time you can. I'm not pulling the Tristan Casas plug until well after the all-star break here. Yeah, I agree. And again, you, you don't have another viable option in first base. No, you don't. You you just – and, honestly, even with Justin Turner, that's not long-term. You can't put him out there for 120 games. So you just got to – you got to ride with it, and you you got to take the ups and downs that – if this continue, if this is happening in late July, August, then you're like, oh, okay, maybe yeah. spend August in AAA or whatever it is. But well, let's let before we kind of get onto our next topic here, just something that uh, came up from what you were just talking there. What is the identity? What do the Red Sox think their identity is right now? Do you think that everybody? Uh, uh, do you think that they think they're contenders? Yes, I think they're contenders who think if we keep it close, if we're in the game by the time we get to seven, eight, nine in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, we have a shot. Because if they're they basically ride out their starters and get to the good back of the bullpen, they think their offense can still mash with people, which it's slowed down now. But as of right now. It's the it's so strange because everyone in the AL East is good, but right. If they said we're going to be buyers at the deadline, and with Bloom, they don't actually ever act like buyers. They'll say, "Oh yeah, we have a plan, and this is it," and get rid of a good offensive catcher. 
but it could imagine they got a a good righty power bat and then uh, i don't know a, a pitcher now you look at the team and you're like oh things kind of fall into place yeah uh, well <clears throat> the reason i ask is because that's going to do a lot too with what the playing time costs gets cuz if he's still scuffling at the trade deadline and they're still somewhat inside of a race and they make a move for a big power bat that might be a first base bat or a, you know a dh or something where they need to shuffle him out of the lineup you know time is kind of running thin on that i personally say let it ride out and i i get that the al east is better than everything but i think a lot of things are stabilizing now like we're going to talk about when we get to the mlb section everything's kind of taking shape where the Yankees are obviously not the last place team they were at the end of April. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, we're almost at the end, the very end of May now. Um, so a lot of things are looking like they're going to continue. Um, so again, I, I, I don't know where they're at, man. I, I still think that they could, I don't, I'm not as confident as the Red Sox to rip off like five, six straight wins right now but I can see them loot falling into a hole where it gets kind of hard to watch for a little bit just because, I mean, we're going to talk about it right now. The rotation is set. You know, you got to see good James Paxton, Pavetta and Kluber were taken out as Whitlock's going to come back this weekend and they're going to stick with Bayo, which is absolutely right call. But I mean, then Paxton pitched again and he gave up six against the angels pretty quickly. Uh, and it didn't look like he was missing many bats. And then you have the up and down sale sales been good recently, but that's why I think, I don't know. Do you think this rotation is obviously it's set right now for a little bit, barring any injuries, but what, what do you think of, of the pitching right now? Is it enough to sustain a run? Is it enough to sustain them as a credible threat? No, <laughs> no, I just listen. I, I, agree. I I have to eat crow about how Chris Sales pitched. He's been, the way he's been pitching. I'm legit watching, saying maybe he wa- legit wasn't healthy. He just wasn't healthy for two and a half years. Maybe that was it. And then Paxton, you know, had a bad game. Shit happens, but I can't believe he's sustaining 97. Bayo is starting to be a love affair where it's like okay it's oh yeah Bayo's pitching I want to watch it I mean I loved that Alex Cora went out there in the first inning yep and it was what I love is I can guarantee just went out there and was yelling at him in Spanish basically saying like calm down you're fine I you know just getting him to keep it together and then he let up one run he was awesome yeah, he was awesome. I took it as as definitely we're gonna stick with you. Uh, you're, no, don't worry about it. But I, I think he went out there and said, "You got to get your ass over and cover first base when Shohei Otani is running down the line." That was right after that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, but I, think I love it was, that. I think it was a combo because then he ended with a couple of like nice firm chest slaps, yeah. which made you think like we're gonna go now. We understand. Like, don't get in your head. Let's go. So. I like Hauken Whitlock. Um, yeah. Hauk looks is not looking great. He he's he's getting hit hard. Um, when that sinker is not sinking for Hauk, 
he becomes a very hittable pitcher. You know, I was thinking the same thing because the overall like ERA at 499, you know, it's just not great. But he went six and allowed one run with eight strikeouts against the Angels. He, he might, I, there's like a, a bad game against Toronto where he let up six runs. Yeah. But I don't know. He had, he's only let up more than three runs twice. Yeah. I, I like that. No, I like how, I just think that, you know, it's just, uh, the Toronto game is what I'm thinking of where he just got batted around really hard. Right. And Hmm. Well, when you put when you think of a lineup or a pitching rotation, like you look at Hauk and how he's pitching and he may not be like an ace, but someone's gotta be your three or four guy. So if you're top yeah, no. if towards the end of the year it settles into you're looking at Whitlock and Bayo as your top two, I'm fine with the next three. But the reason I so bluntly said no was health. With Paxton and Sale. I need to see it. They've I've yeah. been r- completely wrong about them how they've pitched so far, but I need to see it. Well, Paxton's 50-50. He's only had two starts. Um Right. I'm just surprised at the stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um I would say no just because uh you know, with the exception of Chris Sale, um nobody's really put together a sus- a sustained uh, period of work like how can Whitlock haven't gone a full season of being solid yet Bayo is still so new but I I share the exact same thing like the day before he starts I'm like oh good Bayo's pitching tomorrow I can watch that and then the, the day of I'm thinking about it all day because it's that exciting now he's like he's really pitching well and I don't know if you saw Pedro on the MLB network say that Bayo has a chance to be better than he was because at this time he's already putting it together uh, earlier than Pedro was in his career. So that's a hell of an endorsement. Um, I'm going to disagree with Pedro on that, though, because yeah, obviously, come on, he's trying to blow the kid up. But um, but it's exciting. Uh, that's the point I'm trying to make is he's exciting yeah. to watch. But he hasn't again. He's still like essentially a rookie. And then. um the the question mark over like Paxton, like you said, with his health, and then it's Chris Sale. I've seen, I've ridden the roller coaster before. I've been super up, and then it comes to a nail series against somebody important, and he pitches two innings, like that. That's where I'm at. It's still early. It's early enough for us to start to see things that are about to take shape, but it's still, in my experience with Chris Sale, it's still way too early to deem this season a success a success this season first and foremost is he goes out and makes all of his starts like he stays on the on the the whole entire year if he makes 25 starts that's a success yeah well not not even the 34 that 34 or 35 so yeah i mean that's what it is i read an article on the athletic i think it was chad jennings that um pavetta and kluber were in the top like eight highest ERAs in major league baseball. And it's just, they had to go. Yeah, they were, that yeah, was the they right had move. To move. I'm yeah, they so had to glad move. they did it. Pavetum actually 
got lit up a little bit by the Angels in a mop-up role uh, after he came in. He got a lot of innings, but he just, like, took it on the chin because that's all he could do at that point. Like, there was a point, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit because, like, the stars in Major League Baseball are all on fire right now. You know, those at-bats that Trout and Otani were taking, some of them were just, like, it's can't-miss TV with those dudes. It really is. The way they work the count and just like every swing looks like it's going to be something great. It's really fun to watch. So like there's nothing you can do against those two guys. I have over it, a three game series. I have a, a tab up of stat muse and I just typed in Mike Trout versus the Red Sox in 2023 because I was like, I think he's dominated them. And I looked it up. He has six hits, two home runs, three doubles, four RBI, four runs and three walks. So my eyes in my memory were telling me the truth. Six yeah. hits, five of them extra base. So he's yeah, he's he does, just um, awesome. Oh, sorry, he uh he did strike out quite a bit in the series, but again he you know did that again. I think he had like of the six hits, I think he had four of them in that series. So Mike Trout has embraced the three true outcomes so much, but his homers and on base percentage are so high that it it's like whatever. Yeah. Um, well, he still hits for average too. So he's not, a, he's not a slouch. I also want Yeah. He's batting like 275 right now. So the last thing about the Red Sox is not on the rundown, but I was thinking about it the other day when I was reading that Chad Jennings article there, t- he was mentioning all the signings in the off season and how we would rate them. He also brought up in July Trevor Story's coming back or is aiming to come back. Mm -hmm. So there's an actual, your actual shortstop. It's going to happen. My question to you. I know we're always down on him. Look at the roster. They're obviously they're in a batting slump now, but all the pieces fit. The outfield fits with Duran. The infield fits with Emmanuel Valdez. And then you take catcher out because that's basically a specialty position. Trevor Story comes back. I legitimately can't. You can't tell me who comes out of the lineup for to keep Kike Hernandez in the lineup. It'll be Valdez. It'll it be will some be Valdez. Of, it'll be some com, uh, com, um, combination of Valdez and Duran. Now he's not ever the, coming out of the lineup. Here's he's never going to come out of the lineup. I understand it in the sense of. They are very lefty heavy right now. First, yep. second, third, the entire outfield are left-handed hitters. That's six lefty bats. Yep. So you get a good lefty, it's like, oh, well, they're screwed. Though, obviously, they put Ref Snyder in, but I understand that Duran isn't the Duran he had been, but I, it's just Hernandez isn't coming out of the lineup, but if you look at it from 3,500 feet, 35,000 feet, whatever the saying is, he shouldn't stay, but that's for that's for when story comes back. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the bigger picture and the fact that um, Ronald Acuna Jr. I remember before COVID, before injuries, 2019 when the Nationals were going on their run and Soto was a 19-year-old phenom or 20-year-old phenom. I posed the question and it was, would you rather take Acuna or Soto? Soto took that 
and ran with it for the next four years. But here's Acuna, 100% healthy. You have a fantasy draft. How high... Say it's it's just for hitters, because pitchers throw everything. And obviously, Otani is a unicorn. How high are you drafting Ronald Acuna Jr.? Top five. R- yeah. Top five. But... And now with the new bases, and if you're you got steals in that league, he's probably the top pick. Yeah, right? well, it's it's still gonna be Otani, but because yeah, but I, I understand what you're saying. But you know, talking about the stats, let's let's just read them out. As of right now, uh Acuna Jr. Uh, is hitting 332 with a 419 on base percentage, with eleven homers, twenty-seven batted in. And 22 steals. Like he's he's well on his way to a 40-40 season. Yeah. You know, I think I told you earlier in the um, year, the Athletic did their bold predictions. And Eno Saras said, I think Acuna will be 50-50. Whoa. Still, and it was the bold, but yeah. now you're like, if he got on a... Uh, a heater with home runs, which he was on. I think he hit one in like five straight games. I don't know. It's bold, but it's semi like you can see it out on the horizon as a possibility. Yeah. I mean, the, the the thing is, he's just you want him to stay healthy. Um, He is only 25. So there's still like he's reaching his peak right now. Um, he is strikeout percentage is way down, just putting the barrel on the ball more and, and better in a, in an absolutely stacked lineup protection all around him. And he's just, he's having the best possible season he could be having right now. Yeah. I, it's, he's ridiculous to watch currently 19th in uh strikeout percentage. Just, just to throw this out there, Luis Arez. Arez, Arez, how do you say Arise. it? Arise, thanks. Um, has a four point eight K percentage. That's <clears throat> if you wanted stupid. to, I could spend twenty minutes on Luis Luis Arise season right now. But he is having himself a year. But yeah, Acuna is just right now on May twenty sixth, twenty twenty three. Just just the best player right now. Yeah, oh, I would say that easily the National League MVP if the season were to end today, without a doubt. Um and again, he's in a he's in a stacked lineup. Um, so he's able to do that and he can't just uh you can't avoid him because Matt Olson's right behind him. Um and uh, you know, I think how it shakes out is Ozzy Albie's right in front of him. So can't do anything with him. Well, yeah. And not to mention Sean Murphy and uh, oh, Sean Murphy's having a hell of a year, too. Uh, Austin Riley. They're, that's a, yeah, it's crazy. They're a good team that keeps their players. Um, let's see. Aaron Judge in the last few days has just, you know, lit it up. Just, yeah. Well, I think I mentioned when we were talking about the Red Sox, like every all of the players in baseball 
that you would associate with being a star. I think this happened earlier in April too. Just had a couple of weeks that are, are you know, just on fire. Trout killed the Red Sox. Otani killed the Red Sox. Fernando Tatis already has seven, eight home runs. He just started. Uh, yeah. M- Mookie's been on fire leading the Dodgers. And Aaron Judge has basically put the Yankees offense on his back and said, all right, come with me. Um, because Judge, may I judge in yeah. May is slashing 333, 479, 833, 244 WRC plus with eight home runs, 19 RBI and three doubles. It's the 25th of May too. He's been doing it all month. Well, the thing is, is he played his first game in May and on the ninth. He oh, was right. out, so it's a shortened month for him, and he's doing that. Yeah, he's pissed because uh, there was some talk. There was all that Yankees are cheating talk because Judge looked to the right before he uh, smashed a home run. Which, what? How would he be able to process anything? And yeah. that was in slow-mo, so th- show it in fast-mo. Yeah, exactly. Not only that, but... The pitch that came after it was 91 miles an hour right down the center of the zone. There you go. I'm not throwing that to Aaron Judge because I can't throw 91. And I know that's a bad spot. Yeah. You just got to, you can't, can't leave it there. Um, But yeah, there, I mean, everybody, everybody's kind of leading. If you're, if you're interested in baseball at all, uh, go ahead and get yourself to a TV and watch. Major League Baseball, because it's as of right now, there was a story last weekend that baseball's attendance is the highest it's been. And in, in, I, I forget what it was, but the highest it's been in quite some time. Um, and I think it's all due to these rules and letting the stars be stars. Yeah, not to mention another star that started off super slow, but is just raking and just back to his normal self is Juan Soto. Yeah, he got Jack. He was on base five times yesterday. Four walks and a single. There you go. Hold on. Let me I meant to look at it yesterday because but I I saw the single and they were like he's on base five times. Yeah. Okay, that checks out. His on base percentage his percentage right now is four twenty three. He's getting on forty two percent of the time. That's just mm-hmm. it's stupid. He He's very good. It's just, but the good guys are good, and that's, it sounds stupid. The good players being good is good for baseball. Absolutely. It's like, where, I mean, we're talking about the NBA. When Jokic, LeBron, Tatum, and Jimmy Butler are all having good games, everyone wants to watch it. Yeah. So, it's, when you say, oh, Tonight against the Red Sox, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, and Trout and Otani both homer. People are going to be like, "Oh, that was sweet." Not Red Sox fans, but it's like that was sweet. Yeah, it was sweet to watch for Red Sox fans too. Yeah, and then you have the Padres series where, um, Bogart or Devers hits the two home runs first game against Bogarts. Bogart smiles as he passes him, and like Juan Soto's hitting a home run. Tatis is getting thrown out at second being aggressive. It's just like good stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the other stuff, too, internationally with that Red Sox uh, L8, the Anaheim series, um, there was Shohei and Yoshida 
messing with each other before the game, Shohei jacking his pants all the way up like Yoshida wears and, and just shitting on him. Like, that was just cool to see. And, and again, it's just bringing so many eyes into it. Um, it's good for baseball that this is growing like this, especially internationally. It only It's just going to mean better baseball down the road. It is, which that's a great segue into the races. And you mentioned this was in the rundown you put there. The Orioles are good and like significantly good. And Mm -hmm. as hot as the Rays are, they're only three games back of the Rays, which is crazy. Yep. Second best record in baseball. Um, And I can tell you exactly why, Tom. Because they were in last place a million years and hit on draft picks. Exactly. Well, yeah, they definitely hit on draft picks. Like Grayson Rodriguez hasn't had the best numbers, but he's projected to be a top of the line starter for years to come. Uh, Cedric Mullins is back to his like 30 30 kind of way of hitting. Um, And I think you want to hear a, a bold prediction. I think within the next two to three seasons, we're talking about Adley Rutschman as the best player in baseball. Like he has completely turned that franchise around. I think he is uh, out of one picks, the overall number one picks in the past few years, like a clear cut winner of that, of, of leading what a, a number one pick should look like. Yeah. So basically if you look at it and you like take, Sean Murphy right now is the best catcher in baseball, I would say. I'd already put uh, Rutschman up there with Real Muto. Um, oh, yeah. And then Jonah Himes having a great year for the Rangers. But, you know, that's not he's not known for that. Maybe it'll slow down. But, but other, other than that, it's kind of Rutschman's thing. Yeah. And then you have other guys that I mean. This is their starting lineup, right? This is how their starting lineup drafts, like, uh, just shakes out and how they've developed their team. Cedric Mullins, Rushman's, Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, Adam Frazier, Austin Hayes, Gunnar Henderson, uh, Taryn Vavra, Jorge Mateo. Six of those three guys were drafted by the Orioles and developed by their organization. I mean, that's it. That's it right there. Exactly. That's and I mean that wasn't even that wasn't even counting their starting rotation. Who, I mean, Grayson Rodriguez is the only guy in there because you've got some other. Um, I don't know what's going on with uh, John Means. He might be hurt, but he's in there too. Um, but again, just uh, developed talent from the start. High draft picks that you hit on and you developed properly. And now look what it's done for you. You know who that? You know who did that, Tom? A few years back and. Uh, you know, won themselves a few World Series because of it is the Houston Astros. Yeah, amongst other things. Yeah, right. well, take that with a grain of salt. But overall, <laughs> the Orioles, you know, a few years back, it was just like, wow, the Orioles look good. And now it's just like, oh, shit, the Orioles were good and they are good. I um, got to say. They're set up for success for the next few years. Doing it the opposite way, a strategy I don't necessarily love, but. The fucking Rangers, man, they're rolling right now. Yeah, and that are. is that is just signing guys. Even though I still don't think the Degrom signing was smart, I understand when he's out there, he's the best pitcher, but he has to be out there. Yep. But Seager is just like this quiet, awesome hitter. 
who I was like, holy shit, that's a big deal. Marcus Simeon, just same got back thing. from injury too, yeah. Simeon right now is in second place, but may, maybe it's overall. Hold on. No, not tied with. <clears throat> he's tied in second place with Wander Franco at, for Fangraph's war for the league, for Major oh, League Baseball. Oh, yeah. he he's, he's up there. I mean, obviously, he exists in our league with Shohei Otani, but he he's the AL he's a top runner for AL MVP. If there wasn't guys like Otani and Judge, I mean it Mark Simeon's having a huge year for the Rangers. So they're just they're making it interesting and the Altuve got hurt again. I don't know how long he's out for. I didn't see anything on that. Just it's gonna be interesting. The wild card in the AL I think will be a good race because you have the entire AL East, but then yep. I mean, it's nice to see the angels hanging around this much Houston. Who knows? Maybe they, maybe they kind of run out of luck without Verlander and FL Altuve's hurt. And Pena hasn't quite been the same guy. Bregman hasn't been. And the Mariners haven't been the same team that they were last year. No, but they have a better record than the Red Sox. Yeah. Or the same record and better the than the record. Blue Jays. So, yeah. man, God, the athletics are. I was just, I saw that I, we must be looking at the AL West standings and the athletics, just in case anybody's wondering. A nice, brisk 10 and 42. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous not, it's to not. even say aloud. Ken Rosenthal wrote an article I'm going to read this afternoon about. It seems like it's like, why is Major League Baseball letting them get away with this and just giving them Vegas? But seriously, um, they have a negative 184 run differential, clearly yeah. the highest in the league by uh, over 100 runs. Yeah. 130 runs to be precise. No, never mind. 111 runs. And it's 200 and. Oh, yeah. 298. Uh, behind the league, le- major league leading race. Mm. Uh, so just some other uh, odds and ends. Trout passed DiMaggio yep. for home runs. So this brings up a question you had about active players we think will make the Hall of Fame. Now I want to, cl- I want clarification. Am I also supposed to like project Adley Rushman or is this kind of like, uh, well you can, if you want Tom, you know, there are no rules here, uh, okay. uh, but I mean, I, I think there are obviously some slam dunks. You got your Verlander, Kershaw, Cabrera. Um, that's probably trout. Yeah. Trout. Um, and I would say that's probably your five, Slam dunks. Sorry, if you hear the shushing in the, I, I apologize. Um, I know. So we that debate was brought up because of Jason Stark, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think of some guys that are in the Hall of Fame, Freeman is about to be two thousand hits, three hundred home runs. He'll be in won a World yep. Series. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't care how long he p- has pitched that he's quirky. I don't think Zach Granke is. Yeah, I don't either. But did, did he win one of the world series with the, 
um, Astros. Astros. He may have. That he kind of. One, that, he didn't win one with the Royals. He wasn't on that team in 2015, was he? No. No. Um, he may have won with the, the Astros. I don't. I don't. He might not have though. Let me um, see. 2017, he was in Arizona. 2022, no. So they he he didn't. I just okay. I, I mean, it's. It's like how it's one of those things like are you giving them lifetime achievement stuff here? Because see I then I'm looking, he's seventy-three strikeouts away from three thousand. Yeah. I don't know. I guess well, Harold then Baines in that is case, in, so just, he'll be in. Yeah, well then in that case you just brought up two more guys that could be fringe guys in any other thing, but both Kenley and Kimbrell. Yet it's I it's depends on how people um like they both have value, over 400 saves. They're yeah, value get in. Sa- closers. Uh, but just... That's going to change, though, because you, you see these the dudes who have the mustaches and the double IPAs and the retro and the and the cool shirt, um, they they will value closers more than the traditional guys who have not valued like your uh, back-of-the-bullpen guys in the past. Uh, yeah, I would say... Nolan Arenado has 300 home runs. He'll probably get to 400. Goldschmidt might get to 400. What uh, about a guy like, what about friend of the pod, uh, Mookie Betts? I'm, he's, it's tough because he's like, he's on a path. Right. So I don't see why he wouldn't. You just look at some of this stuff. Um, would you take Harold Baines at his peak over Mookie Betts at his peak? No, Jack, because Mookie Betts has won an MVP. Uh, I'm yeah. going to have to talk to the, the people who voted for Harold Baines are going to have to sit down and do the whole, like, explain to me like I'm five years old why Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer. And, and they're then just the next gonna... year, I'll be six. Most under, underrated line of the office. Um, so I don't know, like Cole, Cole will probably get it. He's a 40 war pitcher. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know. I, again, that, that's, that's going to be when Cole's done pitching and even Verlander, when Verlander's done pitching, like the time they're eligible for the hall of fame, thinking around what a effective pitcher is, is, is going to be so changed that I, the only, Listen, and I know we've already said that Harold Baines is in, which automatically questions the legitimacy of like, was Harold Baines as good as Ted Williams? But um, I just no. don't want it to become the uh, NBA Hall of Fame where you you literally get in if you were a star for a couple of years. Basically, the NBA Hall of Fame right now is if you have ever made an all-star team, you're pretty much qualified to make the Hall of Fame. Springfield and I think. What? It's in Springfield. Been there yeah, twice. there's there's questions over where the game was invented, Tom. Um, but uh, but I specifically does it have something uh, to do with Aaron Neesmith? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but I just don't want it to see like I, I'm a again I'm I think that it should be reserved for the best of the best. But you know whatever. We're getting well, off. We'll topic. we'll have this discussion again when the Hall of Fame ballot comes out next this uh, off season. 
That's right. It's All right, Jack, really do you have a year for me? Do you do want to, I believe it's your turn. Well, we want to talk about what you got while I go. Uh, it is my turn to read to you. Did you hear it? Did you listen to the podcast Tim and I did? Jack, I didn't have time. I'm sorry. I edited it. You told me when to make the edit mistakes. And I did hear at the very end, Tim guessed something like 1921 and was off by like 12 years. Yeah. He... Was it? Did you pick a baseball year? Yeah, I gave him one. Oh, yeah. And we, he, he didn't do great. Yeah. Well, hmm. I All asked right. him to do a couple uh baseball podcasts with me and he just kept t- he, I think he only mentioned ERA. So Yeah, Ronnie Belliard guy. Um what are you looking for this weekend, Tom? Anything while I go get the book? This weekend, Jack. Um well, Garrett Whitlock's back, so I will be looking forward to that. Um I tell but you, let's can, take well, a look well, at Can Philly's I can I give you good? mine? Dodgers Real quick. Race. Yeah. Kershaw, this is this is for me. This is a big this is a big matchup. Glass now is back, so it's Tyler Glass now versus Clayton Kershaw on Saturday. Ooh, guess what game. I'm watching? Excuse me. I uh, was just a couple guys giving you five innings. Yeah, not Here's actually. Something. Kershaw has been on fire this year, but Glass now coming back with the Rays. He's probably on a 25 pitch pitch count. Okay, that's more of a Kevin Cash thing than a you thing. But sorry to burst your bubble. My um, bubble's fine, man. Don't don't talk about my bubble. There's actually some good series: Padres, Yankees. Uh, let's see. I'm always into those athletics. Don't want to see what they're up to. All right, you ready? Oh, Rangers, right. Orioles. That'll yeah, that's a good year. That's a good one. Okay, go ahead. Um. I'm on little sleep, but I'm, I'm feeling confident. Yeah, you're probably going to do it. Uh, Okay. Mm-hmm. Shit. Uh, all right. I, I, I'm still going to read you the air, but I think you're going to get it because of what I just read. Uh, The AL MVP of this year. Okay. Mickey Mantle. Okay, that doesn't help. The NL MVP of this year. Hank Aaron. Okay. The Cy Young winner. Milwaukee's Warren Spawn. Okay. Talk me through how you're feeling right now. Talk me through some thoughts. My thoughts are... What Josephine is thinking. My thoughts right now are, Tom, in 2022, you read a biography on Hank Aaron. In 2021, you read one on Mickey Mantle. So put your shit together. Yeah. Um, but there are two years that jump out. Okay. Um. Okay. There are two years that, that jump out. That's what I got for you. Would you like some more... Well, was it was so there was only one and there was only one Cy Young winner. That's correct. Hmm. So what's jumping out to me is I I've started to notice something about these. It tends to be the this goes back to when I reached into the ether and pulled out uh, 1970 for the Boog Powell uh, Johnny Bench year. 
And it turns out those two teams played in the World Series. So I kind of recollect a baffling stat that Hank Aaron has one MVP award. Mm -hmm. And that baffles me because, you know, you look at his stuff. Which lines up with, I believe, the Milwaukee Braves won a World Series in Hank Aaron's only World Series win. Which, I'm just going with my gut here, and I'm going to say 1953. Final answer? Yeah. Sorry, Tom. Ah, 54. That's 54. No, it wasn't. You were right about all of your information. It was Hank Aaron's only World Series and his only MVP. It was against the Yankees and Mickey Mantle, but it came in 1957. Oh, wow. The other year I had in my mind was 56, so I, I didn't have it. So just some notables. Ted Williams at age 39 tops the AL with a 388 batting average. And 388. 39 um, reaches base in 16 consecutive plate appearances to set an ML record. Uh, Stan Musial that year won the National League bat crown at 351. Uh, some stats on Hank Aaron, 44 homers, uh, 132 batted in. And Mickey Mantle, I don't know why Mickey Mantle won the AL MVP. Because <laughs> he was a Williams. Ted Williams definitely should have won that. He was a Yankee. They always won. Also, the first year the Gold Glove was originated. Well, I was should have been way off because Hank Aaron's rookie year was 1954. So I was, you know, that was bad. Well, hold on. Let's check well, out the. Uh, you love to do this because don't forget Ted Williams won two triple crowns and never won the world's or the MVP those years. So 57, he, Mickey Mantle won the MVP after. It's, being substantially worse than he was the year before. Um 233 votes to 209 beat out Ted Williams. Six first place to five. What what hurts you is Royce Roy Sievers. Oh, oh actually he had a good year. This is what this is what uh will really burst your bubble and grind your gears. Nelly Fox took five got five first place votes. He hit 317 with six home runs and 61 RBI. Did win the first gold glove that year. Um, Ted Williams that year, uh, on base percentage of 528. So I'm going to round up 53% of the time that Ted Williams came to the plate, he reached first base or better. Yeah. Slug 731. Good, good year. <laughs> he led the league in the the slash numbers um, yep. and had more home runs than Mickey Mantle. But you know, Jack, the Yankees were better. So he, that he won. There you go. All right. All I'm right, going to, I'm going to go have my third coffee of the day. Um, you enjoy yourself and we'll hopefully back to talking next week. All right. See you, Tom.